Good evening. And this is the first evening of the first Holland Clothes Class. October 1955. And uh, you who are here evidently have come because something in the message of the infinite way, whether it was in what I have said to you or what you have read in the messages or both you have found something in it that finds a response within you something that tells you either this is it or that you want to know more about it now watch those two points very carefully Either you already know that this is the message so far as you are concerned. We're not saying that this is the only message there is in all the world. We're saying that some of you feel already that this is the message so far as you are concerned. If you have reached that point, then you are at the place where you will need to devote several years to the study of these writings and if possible recordings until the principles which are revealed in this message are clearly understood probably intellectually at first but spiritually understood now or later it means a consecration because while truth is one so far as you are concerned there is only one principle of truth that you can live and demonstrate you cannot live a spiritual truth and a mental truth and a theological truth all in the same lifetime each one has a path for some the path is the way of the church the way of ceremonies and rites and uh, forms there are those who must have that for their religious life and there are others who require a mental science something that will enable you to think your way through life something that will enable you to reason your way to God something that will satisfy your reasoning instincts now if you come under those first two headings you will soon drop away from this because this will not satisfy you this will not enable you to indulge the emotions of church worship nor will it enable you 
to satisfy your reasoning mind. Not that it isn't reasonable, but that it frankly states you cannot accomplish anything of a spiritual nature through reason. You will see more about that later. Now, on the spiritual path, there are still two ways that could be followed. There is the purely mystical approach in which you do not concern yourself with the letter of truth at all. You just live in an interior contact with God and uh, virtually live separate and apart from God. That type of mystic usually lives the women in convents and the men in monasteries and uh, they live a continuous life of prayer and uh, they accomplish much good for the world because of their interior prayers and contact with the world. But they are not the mystics of our work. The mystics of our work do live that life probably one half of the time. Only they do not have to go to monasteries or convents to live it. They stay right in their business or homes or eventually come into the healing work exclusively of teaching. But this approach is the mystical way of life, that is, it is a life that is lived in conscious communion with God, but it is reached usually through a conscious knowing of the truth, that is, through a knowledge of the letter of truth. And those are the two points that I will explain to you in these lessons because without them you will have no foundation with which to continue. With them you will be able to take the writings and if possible recordings and between them you will be able to bring about such a development in your own spiritual experience in one year that you'll have a difficult time recognizing yourself as the same person of this year or last year. It depends, however, on the devotion to it. It depends on the amount of consecration to it and the ability to live in a single-pointed way, that is, hold one's mind straightly to the purpose and uh, the word, the message, the ability really to hold this truth up as a banner in front of you with which to face any and every situation in life. Let me be specific for a moment. Let us suppose that we wake up tomorrow and remember that we have a hard day ahead of us. We have some difficult things that have to be done. Uh, there may be business appointments, or there may 
be things concerning the home. There may be things concerning family relationships. But let us say that they're difficult. We know that what we have to face today is going to make it a hard day. And I wonder if I really know how to get through. I wonder, can I succeed in what I have to do? Or what will come through? That's the way this day meets us in the morning. And with this message of the infinite way, you would immediately bring to bear and hold it right up here as a banner to the situation. You would bring to bear some spiritual passage, either from scripture or from our writings. And let us say that for this purpose, we would remember a passage of this kind. He that is within me is greater than he that is in the world. Now that's right out of scripture. He that is within me is greater than he that is in the world. And then we feel a, a sense of release inside and we say, oh thank God, there is something within me, a presence, a power that is greater than the situation that I have to face today and it will carry me through. Or, if you don't know that one, it may come to you, and this is another Bible passage, he performeth that which is given me to do. Oh, you say, I don't really have to do it. He performeth that. I just have to carry my body there and then let him go through the motions. And again, that wonderful sense of release comes and you go out joyfully with, oh, oh, I'm just going along for the ride. He performeth that which is given me to do. Thank heavens there's a Bible in the world to remind me that the responsibility is not on my shoulder but on his shoulder. Now you can see what a different day that would give you if instead of going out all by your lonesome to overcome or take care of these difficult problems that you could go out of your house singing with the realization that there is something far greater than the problem, something far greater than you, something far greater than man whose breath is in his nostril that was going along with you to perform that which was given you to do. Now that's what I mean by the practical application of truth to our problems. In other words, the practical realization of spiritual power whenever we have any problem to meet. In the same way, you will find that on awaking in the morning, some physical discord may make itself evident in your body. It may be a cold, it may be a cough, it may be indigestion, it may be something or other that you've suffered with before. Only now, now you have to handle it in a different way. Now, you can't afford to neglect it. You can't afford to just say, oh, God will take care of it. Nor can you afford to go inside and get an aspirin or a or some other local remedy 
because now you have embarked on a life in which you are going to bring the presence and power of God into your experience physically, mentally, morally, financially, nationally and internationally. Do you see that? You are going to actually live your life in union with God so that God becomes your remedy for your body, for your mind, for your soul, for your pocketbook, for your business, for your family relationships. Now, as Paul says, pray without ceasing, so I say to you that to live this spiritual life it becomes necessary to have available to you a spiritual truth with which to meet every situation of the 24 hours of the day. That is why you will find that in reading my writings they are filled with Bible passages and the Bible passages that have been found to be helpful in all of our experiences, all of our students' experiences. And there are enough of them so that we don't pick any one as a formula, but we have a choice of them. And we get familiar with them. We get to know them by heart and uh, to meditate on the inner meaning of them. And uh, then we find that regardless of what problem comes up, just by turning within ourselves, one of these passages comes to thought. And we use it then in just that way. Ah, I have a problem. This is what I hold up to that problem. And the problem then can get no further. While we are learning the correct letter of truth, we are at the same time developing the ability to make contact with this he that is within us, this father within, this Christ that Paul called it, or father within that Jesus called it. Because now I must say this to you, Within each one of us here, and this is true about every individual on the face of the globe, this is true of every saint and of every sinner, this is true of every person, sick or well. The kingdom of God is within you. Now, I don't care who you are, what your color may be, or what your religion or lack of religion. I don't care if you're Christian or atheist, Mohammedan or whatnot, the kingdom of God is within you. I don't care if you are the purest human on earth or if you are the most vicious criminal on earth, the cr kingdom of God is within you. But mark this, whether you're good or bad, that kingdom of God is of no avail to you until you have made contact with it. Until you have had actual, 
touch of it, realization of it, it is as if it weren't there at all. It just doesn't function. You can have all kinds of trouble in your life. You can have trouble with health, with wealth or lack of it. You can have trouble with morals. You can have trouble with safety or security. You can have any kind of trouble there is in this world and all of the time the kingdom of God is within you. People are dying right and left with the kingdom of God within them that would prevent it. People are going to jail for crimes that they would not have to commit if only they knew that the kingdom of God was available to them. And you see the story is that the kingdom of God is there but it is of no help to mankind until mankind, first of all, knows this, secondly, makes the desperate, oftentimes it is a desperate attempt, a difficult one, to achieve contact with it, the realization of it. Then, from that moment of realization, one's life begins to change because now you'll find it is literally true. He performeth that which is given me to do. He doesn't do it for the human race until the human race, by inner contact, brings it into life. That is why the Master said, Awake thou that sleepest, awake thou that sleepest. Christ will give thee light, not while you're sleeping. Only when you have awakened. And he also said, Do you have eyes and do not see? Do you have ears and do not hear? Oh yes, we have eyes and we have ears. Yes, but you're not hearing my message. You're not hearing the spiritual import of the word. You're seeing the healings, but you're not seeing what makes the healings. You're seeing the feedings, but you're not catching the principle of the feedings. Now get those inner ear open, get that, those inner eyes open so that you can behold the spiritual realities of life. Then you will find why Paul could say, I can do all things through Christ. Or why the Master could say, The Father within me doeth the works. Why it has been said, Cannot God set a table in the wilderness? What cannot God do? Ah, but you say, can he? We haven't witnessed much of it in this 20th century. Ah, I have. I know a lot of people who have. The world hasn't. The world hasn't made its contact with the Father within, and it hasn't got a Father within. The world hasn't got a God. The world isn't praying to God. The world is praying to some concept of God. And to show you how literally, truthfully, I'm speaking to you, a year ago when uh, all the religions of the world, that is all the Protestant religions of the world, met at Evanston, Illinois, the opening speaker said that it is our hope that during this conference some of these matters will be straightened out and a better understanding realized 
so there will not be so many differences in these Protestant teachings. And the last man who closed the meeting said, we regret to say that there are more differences now than when we met. Now, would that be if there were just one God? No, because if there were one God, you'd say, well, that's the end of it. If there's only one God, there's only one God. Now, how can we have any differences after that? Whether you get down on your knees to contact it, or whether you sit up straight in a chair, or whether you lie down in bed, or whether you sit in the lotus position, cross-legged, tell me what difference it makes as long as you make contact with the Father within in a way that's comfortable to you. Tell me, would we have any differences if we acknowledged one God, because I may like to call that God my soul. You might like to say mind. And another one may like to say, oh, I see it as a principle. Well, now tell me, why should we quarrel over a name when what we're talking about is the same God? It would be just as foolish to quarrel over whether I am Joel or I am Solomon or I am Goldsmith. Now, those are only three names, but those three names are all my names. So I would be the same person under any one of those that you choose to like. So it is with God. If you realize that there is only one God, and that that God is in the midst of you, what difference whether you call that God, God, mind, life, soul, Tao, Brahm, it makes no difference. As long as you're sure you're speaking of the one infinite, invisible God that is in the midst of you. From then on, we can have no quarrels. Do you see that? Last month, the conference of the Episcopal Church was held in Hawaii, the whole Episcopal Church of North America. And all the newspapers agreed that it was the most revolting spectacle that has ever been witnessed in Hawaii. The whole week was given over to quarreling, fighting, and raising money. One speaker got up and said, the world has two enemies, Roman Catholicism and alcoholism. A nice thing to link together a, a major religion an alcoholism and another speaker got up and said what are people coming to we need 50 million dollars and they're not producing it for us they're not producing it what are we producing for them quarrels over what is God or whether we should be baptized or half baptized do you see that now the world then hasn't a God because if the world had a God, it would have nothing to quarrel about. The very moment we in this room can agree on God, and more especially God in the midst of you, the kingdom of God is within you, the Father within me, the moment we can agree on that, there is no possibility of us quarreling, because the rest doesn't matter. It isn't important after that whether you wear a crucifix or a star 
or a hammer and sickle if you so like. It makes no difference what you wear. What counts is what your reliance is, where it is. Now, what difference does it really make in the world whether you go into your church and wear a hat, as the Hebrews do, or take your hat off as the Christians do, or take your shoes off as the Japanese do. In each case, it's a mark of respect. The Hebrew going into his synagogue keeps his hat on as a mark of respect to his God, because that's the way he was taught. The Christian takes the hat off as a mark of respect, because that's his way. Ah, but the Catholic woman has to keep her hat on as a mark of respect. And the Japanese must remove their shoes as a mark of respect. Now, will you tell me, could we quarrel about those things when at the bottom of our heart we know that each one means whatever he's doing as a mark of respect? Do you see that? Whenever and wherever there is a God, there is no quarrel, none whatsoever, because there is no such thing as competition. It makes no difference whether you're in the business world or whether you're in the religious life. There can be no competition once there is God. Why? Because with the understanding that God is your supply, you're not sitting around watching whether somebody takes your customers away. Or, if you're in the religious world, you wouldn't be worrying whether somebody was taking your students away. Why? What difference does it make? Each one must go where they find that which they are seeking, whether it's a business article or a religious article. But, is my fate or yours dependent on where somebody else goes or on whether or not we go to God. Do you see what it means when you really and truly have a God? You look to this God as the source of everything. And there you come to another one of our favorite Bible passages. Lean not unto your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all thy ways, and he will give thee peace, rest, whatever it is, prosperity, harmony, joy. But acknowledge him. That means then that you have to acknowledge God as the source of your health, as the source of your supply, as the source of your happiness, as the source of your joy. Now, it is for this reason that we give one half of our work to the study and realization of the correct letter of truth. In other words, we must know what our principle is. Otherwise, we would be in a blind faith. Again, let me illustrate that. In the religious world, and in most of the metaphysical world, there are two powers. And there is always this negative power which causes our sins or diseases or lacks. And then there's the power of God that we're trying to reach so as to overcome these negative powers or forces or destructive powers or forces. 
Now that is the rule in religious teaching, that the power of God will overcome the enemies of our lives, whether of our health or any other function of our being. But we in the infinite way do not accept that at all. We do not accept the God that heals disease. We don't accept the God that uh, overcomes lack. We don't accept the God that reforms sinners. We don't accept the God that you turn to for anything at all. Why? Because we have accepted God as uh, infinite. The one power, the only power. And therefore, we do not give recognition uh, to any other powers that have to be overcome. So that, instead of turning to God and saying, Oh God, will you heal this disease? We turn to the disease and say, You have no power. You have no jurisdiction. You have no law. Therefore, we need not fear what you can do. Do you see the difference in that approach? We are not using God. Why? Because God is always about its own business, maintaining the harmony of this universe. And what are we suffering from? We are suffering from the belief that there is a power or a dozen powers opposed to God. And so we're running around looking for a God to overcome for us. And there is no such God. Otherwise, the world would have had him and overcome the errors long before this. They've all been trying. In both wars, they've been going to church and praying this God to please give us peace. And the peace doesn't come until the enemy's all out of ammunition. Do you know that? Do you know that the churches are praying, Oh God, heal my parishioner or he help me heal my and then they send for the doctor to do the job now God as we have discovered is not a power that you can pray to to have it do something to some other powers God is an infinite power of good an all power an almighty power and beside God, there is no power. And so when we are faced with sin, disease, death, lack, limitation, we sit very quietly by and look it right in the face and say, as Jesus did to Pilate, Thou couldst have no power over me unless it were given thee from the God in heaven. You have no power, none. Infection, contagion, heredity, you have no power. The only reason you're bothering me and annoying me and paining me is that there is a universal belief in the world that you are a power and that you can destroy life, but you can't. I don't acknowledge power in you. I acknowledge all power in God. Do you see the difference in that approach? That is with us a part of the correct letter of truth. Now, if you do not adopt this principle of God as one power and consciously maintain it day in and day out, you find yourself fluctuating. And one day you'll be saying God is all power 
and the next day you'll be saying, oh God, won't you do something to help my poor cat or my poor dog or my poor child or my poor mother. Do you see what I'm getting at? That in this work, it is work, consecration, devotion, until you are so thoroughly imbued with the correct letter that you do not waver when you see evidences of discord in the world, but rather you learn to stand fast there and say, no, I cannot accept appearances nor world beliefs. I will not give honor to any power but God. So I will not fear what mortal man can do to me. I will not fear what mortal conditions can do to me. I will not fear what mortal germs can do to me. I will not fear what a calendar on the wall can do to me. Oh, every day that we change the date on a calendar, it's claiming to make us older and a day nearer the grave. That, that's what that calendar is for, to encourage us to die. That's its main function, to hypnotize us with the idea that time is passing and the grave is opening wider and sooner. And if we're not careful, we'll be looking up at that calendar and say, oh, why are you going so fast? And in that, you will be honoring a calendar and giving it power over your mind and body. Does a printed calendar have such a power? You know it has. Is there anything in the movement of the sun, the stars, the earth, that carries with them an aging process? Why no, they've been turning around that way for thousands of years and they haven't aged. But they age us every time they go around 24 hours. Who says so? We do. We have accepted the fact that each 24 hours has added a weight to our shoulder and we get a little more stooped carrying it around. Carrying what around? Why the earth is renewed every spring and every fall and the plants and the flowers. Only we aren't renewed. And yet we are the ones who are given dominion over time and space and stars and sun and moon and seas. But we have relinquished our dominion to a calendar, to a germ. Any little germ can come along and we say, Oh, what terrible things you're doing to me. <clears throat> yes. We who were given dominion over everything in the heavens, the skies, the air, the earth, and the waters beneath the earth, we have surrendered our dominion. Now in this work, we take back our dominion. Not as a personal thing, as if I personally had power, but we take it back because it is a God-given dominion which we must never surrender. And we must hold on to it, and we can only do it consciously. By every time that a negative appearance would touch us, whether it's a calendar or a germ or a wrong season, by looking at it and saying, you have no power. I have God-given dominion over everything between the skies and the waters beneath the seas. All dominion is vested in me as the child of God and you have no power. Now you will witness very quickly if 
you can accept this principle of the infinite way which wasn't invented by the infinite way incidentally it's as old as time itself the master gave it as one of his major principles thou shalt have no other gods love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul there is no power on earth except God power that was one of his major themes the first commandment now when you accept the first commandment you are accepting God as the only power but now in order to avail yourself of it at every suggestion of inharmony or discord whether in your experience or somebody that you pass on the street you must bring this to conscious remembrance until sometime a year or two years it has become so much a part of your consciousness that never again do you have to think of it because when now when you see a discord around you just smile at it and sort of mentally flick your finger that's why in the beginning you will give treatments and you'll give them earnestly and they'll be very complete ones but surely within a year or two you should be able to look at any situation and just say thank you father that doesn't fool me anymore and in that you'll find you've given the best treatment ever realized on earth because the minute you no longer fear a condition or hate it that's when it begins to disappear when you want to fight it and battle it that is when you're still giving power to it and so you're trying to overcome it once you know it has no power that is when you are its master I never forget that in the stages when you are battling some condition you still are believing there's a power in it and that's why you're battling it when the day comes that you can be indifferent to it you're indifferent to it only for one reason you have learned that in and of itself it has no power now it is in this way that we build up the fabric of our consciousness our spiritual consciousness it is in this way one thread at a time one principle like one power that's a thread of truth or he that is within me is greater than whatever it is I have to take care of that is another thread or love is the only relationship is another thread and so you'll find well let us take these books each one of these books except the infinite way is written around one sentence the infinite way itself is a book of principles almost every sentence or paragraph is a principle in the infinite way message it is our textbook it is a book that in ten years we will not fully understand or achieve for the simple reason that every time we read it over it will have new meanings for us it is the depth of our work seems simple when we read it but that's because we don't understand it in its spiritual sense all of the other books are written around while they all contain the message they are usually have a central theme of one 
statement. For instance, metaphysical notes is entirely built around the statement my conscious oneness with God constitutes my oneness with all spiritual being and idea. Now, you'd be surprised what that sentence means. It means that when I am consciously one with God, that I am instantly one, at one with, everything that concerns my whole life, whether it is person, place, thing, or condition. In other words, I could never in the world be one with God and have a single thing missing out of my life. Because oneness with God is oneness with all that God is God to, and that's God itself in infinite form. You'd be surprised that if you needed transportation, if you needed health, if you needed capital, if you needed sales, if you needed a home, the moment you have made your conscious oneness with God, those things begin to appear in the outer world. And that was a discovery that I made early in the work that I did not ever have to seek for food or clothing or housing or money or transportation or automobiles. All I ever had to seek was this conscious union with God and whatever I needed appeared the next day or quickly as the need arose. In the same way, consciousness unfolding is built around this. God is forever unfolding and disclosing itself as individual consciousness. In other words, God, the infinite mind or soul or consciousness, is appearing as your individual soul or mind or consciousness and appearing outwardly as our daily experience. So you will find then that whereas you may believe that tomorrow may be made up of a dozen different things, I say to you that once you catch this principle, tomorrow, your tomorrow, will be God revealing itself. Every hour of your day, God will be showing itself to you as health, harmony, guidance, direction, supply, whatever it may be. The moment you take unto yourself the realization God is unfolding and disclosing itself as my individual experience. God is unfolding and disclosing itself as my individual experience. Then nothing can come through my daily thing except God appearing. You see? So it is, God the substance of all form is another unfoldment based on the fact that we cannot find a form separate from God. God is the substance of all form. Now, let us illustrate that. This looks like a book. 
And a very inexpensive book can be bought for a seven and six. But do you really believe that that's what it is? Or do you not know that this was truth and consciousness appearing outwardly as a book? Could there have been a book here without the truth that unfolded as the book? Could a book come up out of, out of air, out of nothingness? No. Truth, spiritual truth, appearing in my consciousness and externalizing itself as a book. So if you were to try to separate this book from God consciousness or truth consciousness, what would you have left? Blank paper. Do you see that? The, the contents of this book is God. Truth formed, truth revealed, and externalized as a, a book. Alright? Let's look around this room. Do you think for a minute that so far as I'm concerned there are 20 or 21 or 2 people in this room? Now why should anybody travel 10,000 miles to talk to 20 people? That's, that's fantastic and don't you ever believe it. As far as I am concerned God is revealing itself as your individual being and mine. God is disclosing itself as you and as me for some purpose that God has. I don't know that purpose. I'm a part of it as same as you are, but I don't know what it is. I have the faintest idea what it is that God is going to accomplish in this group or through this group. Not one single bit. It could be that it will just be 20 people made uh, uh, more conscious of God's presence. It may be that out of this group one person will add 10,000 students to the infinite way. I don't know what God's purpose is. I only know that God has unfolded and disclosed and revealed itself as this class for some purpose that God has in mind. Do you see that? Now, and I'm perfectly satisfied not to get too inquisitive. God's business is God's business and that's all right with me. I am an instrument, a tool in God's hand. Just like a pen is in my hand, so am I a tongue in God's mouth. And he wags it. Now, what the result is, is in God's hand. It's not mine. I am not responsible for what comes out of this class. That's God's responsibility. I am responsible only for having obeyed the call and readied myself and made myself clear, clearly empty so that the message could come through. And that's the end of my responsibility. When I leave here, I leave here without looking back, with no concern. My only concern now is for the next city or the next town or the next nation where again I must hold myself clear for whatever is to come through. But God's work through me has been done. Now the result rests with God, not with me. And God, how is God to do that work? It has to be as you.
It has to be through you, in you. It has to be your life that shows forth God. Otherwise, God's work has failed. Because the miracle isn't going to happen out in the air. The miracle is going to happen in your individual experience. And the miracle will be God revealing itself. God closer to you than breathing. God as your better experience. God as bringing another section of the world into a worship of one power 